Mainstream media is dominated by the right and the left. The majority in the middle are left without a voice. You've reached the Conservative Hippie Podcast, a common sense look at life, the universe, and everything. Here's your host, Jay Frat, the Conservative Hippie. Yeah, yeah, that's me, Jay Frat, the Conservative Hippie. Hey, how's everybody doing? I got a lot of really great feedback from the last show, and I just wanted to shout out and say, hey, I appreciate that. If you ever want to give feedback to the show, the best way is to email me at theconservativehippiepodcast at gmail.com. Hashtag, that's a mouthful. Another way you can reach me is if you go to jfrat.com. I am the only one who receives those contact forms. So let's talk about the last episode. It was kind of an interesting one. I tried to do something a little bit different, um, different format, different feel. It got to a lot of people, and it and it raised a lot of questions. And the whole reason I did it was we don't have the answers. Speculation about the origins of COVID-19 or the Wuhan flu, it's just ridiculous. We don't know. Bioweapon, uh, wet market, someone eating a bat soup. Who knows? The best question that I have after that last episode, and if you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to it. We give a lot of interesting facts that aren't necessarily connected, but are connected, but certainly informative about what's going on at Level 4 biosafety facilities. The most important question that I had after that episode that I can't answer, but from a kind of a 50,000 foot view looking down, is if the level four facilities, multiple and multiple people, were all working with and knew about this bat coronavirus, this hybrid, this potential and they've been studying it for years. It goes back to 2013 from my memory. If these level four biological facilities have been studying it that long and tinkering with it and messing with it and playing with it, then why aren't these facilities at the forefront of a quote unquote vaccine? Think about this. Think about all the news over the last couple weeks. Where have you heard advances in a potential vaccine? They all come from a university or a private company. None of these releases come from, hey, the guys at Fort Detrick at the level four bio lab uh, in, in Maryland, hey, they've got something figured out because they've been studying it for years. Oh, hey, uh, the Wuhan bio, bio level four bio facility. Oh, they've been studying it for all these years, almost a decade, and, and they've got some solutions. No, no, it hasn't come from them, has it? So that's, that's the question that I, that I have is, what are they doing? If it's not bioweapons, then what are they doing? Because I don't see evidence that they're working on vaccines or anything like that. Because, hey, that's that's where they would be coming from, right? Not not some random university that's not a bio four level facility. That's the that's the strange question that I'm left with. Okay, so let's fast forward now to present time. Again, let's take that fifty thousand foot view. Let's look at some of the things that have happened that have been very strange. 
President Trump came out and said, hey, you know, I heard about this hydrochloroquine, and, and boy, it seems to be pretty effective. I have a lot of hope in it. And the media just were like, hey, what, what's he doing? Look at these people over here. They, they ate fish tank cleaner because President Trump recommended it. You know, they just don't even think. They just hyper-react against Trump. I even saw a few governors ban and say that they didn't want hydrochloroquine used as some sort of uh, treatment for the COVID-19. Bricks and Fauci and those guys, oh, let's just back off on that. Let's just wait a little bit and see the see what comes in. But then everyone can see the facts. Everyone can see not just that study in the south of France with 40 people that had a 100% success rate, but Rudy Giuliani. Yeah, isn't that weird? Rudy Giuliani interviews a doctor in New York who's treated hundreds of patients and give them the hydrochloroquine Z-Pack zinc combination. Again, only $25 for a five-day treatment. And he's had 100% success rate. He's had to intubate. He's had to put on ventilator. Zero patients. And everybody can see this for themselves, not even digging deep, just superficially, but yet not from the mainstream media. Again, uh, the, the people in control and the mainstream media, they're against hydrochloroquine and, and, oh, this is so reckless. But yet we're shutting our entire country down, forcing people to stay at home, ruining lives, ruining businesses, just to, quote unquote, stay safe. And yet we have clear evidence of a treatment that would take this dangerous, crazy bug that, that, ooh, you might walk around asymptomatic, you might be on a ventilator within two days, and we've got this amazing treatment that's cheap, and instead of promoting it, investigating it, encouraging it, they're all against it. And I think that's, that's another thing that's just strange. And what's happening? with this event, and just let's stick with this one thing, this hydrochloroquine in particular, is people are starting to see what people like myself have seen for a long time. Okay, I went from a Trump defender when he was running for president to a Trump supporter. Everybody was against, everybody, oh, this is the, he's this, that, and the other, he's a racist, and he's xenophobic, and they would throw out all these labels, he's going to do this, he's going to do that, you're a terrible person for defending him and now supporting him, and yet year after year has gone by. And sure enough, almost everything Trump says is proven true. Now, let's take a step back before I, I hear you right now interjecting. He's a Queens guy. He's a hyperbolic asshole, okay? We get it. But you can see through that easily when he's joking when he's not joking, when he's being a bit of an exaggerator, a bit of a self-promotional exaggerator. That happens to be a trait from those people from that region of our country, okay? Us Washingtonians, us Pacific Northwesterners, we're a bit passive-aggressive, okay? Don't hold that against us, just no going in. You got to look for it. So people are starting to see, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, Trump, Trump was one of the first ones that talked about this hydrochloroquine and, and those those World Health Organization and uh, CDC officials are saying, oh, well, let's wait on that. Let's wait till we have years of studying, and yet we're all locked up in our homes now, and all the unofficial tests that are coming through, the anecdotal evidence is it works really well. They're starting to see. 
there's so many more people in the middle that are starting to see this game and starting to see things for how they are. Now let's jump to Joe Biden real quick before we move on with the show. He's, He's a national joke. I do not know a single person, and I talk to a lot of people, I don't know a single person that has defended Joe Biden or said that Joe Biden would be a good president. It's shocking how many blue check marks and how many people entrenched within the Democratic National Committee are supporting Joe Biden when it's perfectly clear just looking at the situation, looking at any video, any evidence where you can see with your own eyes and hear with your own ears that the man is not capable of holding a thought. He's not capable of making these big decisions. Now, counter that to President Trump, that they all have said, oh, he's got mental, he's got mental health issues, and oh, magnomaniacal, you know, I didn't spit it out. Here, bear, bear with me here. And he's almost as old as Joe, and he sits up there for three hours, three hours answering questions from people that don't really have his best interest in mind, that are trying to trick him, trap him, set him up every step of the way, and he's powering through all of these press conferences. He's powering through all of these rallies. And his words ring true. A lot of people are starting to understand, especially now let's, let's look at Spygate, which is not Russiagate. It is now officially been stamped, sealed, as Spygate. All of those people that bought into those mainstream media narratives, all of those people are now starting to see just how bad a setup it was. Just how bad the Trump administration was set up, and then it continued after his presidency. They're starting to see it now. What what a lot of us who are a bit of news junkies and and we follow alternative uh, media uh, like uh, John Solomon Reports and and Epic Times and uh, let's not forget about Zero Hedge. We saw that all along. We've been saying that, and we just get these arguments one thing after another. Oh, Trump Tower! Well, now it comes out. Yeah, that Trump Tower meeting was just completely innocuous, and it was completely set up by. Uh, people uh, that are allied with Hillary Clinton, and and it does come out. Did you, did you see recently that the that the interpreter that was in the meeting said, "Oh, I don't really care for Don Jr. much, but he's telling the truth there. This was this there was nothing nothing to this meeting, and he was bored looking at his phone most of the time." There's so many things, you it's it's becoming undeniable, and that's what's strange, isn't it? That's what's strange, is that when you look at polls and you, and you look at, oh, the, the, the faux support for Joe Biden, it's very strange, and people are starting to pay attention. I, I can't tell you, I'm not going to speculate on where the support level is for President Trump right now. You know, you can read hyperbolic polls like 93% of Republicans support Donald Trump. But I'm here to tell you, there are so many people in the middle, moderate Democrats that are seeing now what they couldn't see three, four years ago. They couldn't see it then. It just, it just, it was a blind spot. 
It's becoming impossible not to see. And this COVID crisis is just bringing another example out. And it just happens constantly. You know, Cuomo, oh, we we need ventilators, we need them now. And then you find out a day later that he's got a stockpile. Well, well, when when I said we need ventilators, yeah, we've got a stockpile, but we will need the ventilators. And now here a week later, they haven't needed the ventilators yet. Well, it seems like what everybody needs is a supply of hydrochloroquine. Okay? Now look, let's bring it back to Trump. What, where was Trump recently? He was at a gigantic, gigantic rally in India. And India has always been our democratic friends. Okay? India, second behind China, largest population on the planet, has always been our democratic friends. They kind of keep Pakistan, they kind of keep them in check a little bit. Trump was there in India. You know who makes a lot of hydrochloroquine? You know who's going to be making a lot of hydrochloroquine? India. You know where we're going to be transferring and giving incentives to move a lot of our manufacturing from China to India, where it should have been all along. We should have had allyship with our democratic partner and our friends. So why have we built up China like we have? All those answers are coming, and they're going to be—they're already here, but they're going to become more clear to the people with blind spots. The moderate Democrats, my friends, the middlers, my people, they're going to start seeing, if they haven't already, the support for Trump must be incredible. And I don't know how the Democratic Party survives this, because it doesn't look like there's an actual party of people. It looks like it's just a party in name only controlled by very few. If it were a party of the people, Bernie Sanders would have been the nominee in 2016, and we would have had one heck of a knockdown, drag-out election. I can't, tell you who, I can't tell you who the nominee would have been this year because it's been such a cluster F from the start, from, from the debates and not allowing Tulsi Gabbard in on the debates to... Tulsi Gabbard dropping out and and endorsing Joe Biden? I thought Tulsi Gabbard was a was a Bernie, was a Bernie gal. It's all very strange and you, you it's it's opaque. You can't see through it. You can't see what what goes what's what's behind the inner workings of the DNC. But what's translucent is Trump and people are starting to see it. He means what he says and he says what he means. Okay, again, caveat, you can clearly see the jokes and the hyperbolic self-aggrandizement. Okay, don't pretend like you can't see it and then go type up your little blog of hate because he, he had one sentence that's, that triggered you and you didn't take the 20 sentences surrounding it into, into consideration. That's exactly how we still have the Mexicans are rapists, right? How many people have gone back and actually listened to it? It's very clear. Difference between they are and there. So 
I don't know where we go from here, but all these huge, all these huge questions at 50,000 feet and clear visibility at 50,000 feet are all leaning towards Trump. And I'm telling you, I know a lot more people are on board right now. And they may be skeptical, and you always should be. Maintain your skepticism. Listeners of my podcast, and myself included, we're not Bible-thumping true believers, okay? You have to be skeptical. We're talking about people with dramatic power, power over our lives that are supposed to represent us. Always be skeptical. Hold their feet to the flames. But we haven't been able to do that for decades. And that does seem to be changing. It does seem to be changing. Okay, enough of that. Let's get to the fun part of the show. Let's get to the meat of the show. First, uh, take time to listen to this commercial for our number one most favored, most appreciated sponsor. Hey! Have you ever thought about a vaporizer to consume your dry herb? It's the least damaging way to consume your flower. A vaporizer takes 99% of the carcinogens out of the smoking process. And I know the perfect vaporizer just for you. Smokin' Jays developed the perfect vaporizer over years of trial and effort. Click on the link in the show notes. It will take you to the smokinjays.com perfect vaporizer page. And a 15% discount will automatically be applied to your purchase. It's palm-sized for portability and has three different temperature settings to customize your vaporization experience. It truly is a perfect vaporizer. Okay, let's, let's switch gears. Let's have some fun. Have you heard about the story of the renegade comedian, an off-color joke, and the tragic death that followed? This is a story about Joan Rivers. You know, the pioneering female comedian that finished her career as a red carpet fashion critic? We all know Joan Rivers. A lot of us love Joan Rivers. Even the people she roasted loved Joan Rivers. Here's, let's set this up. Here's a couple of uh, memorable quotes and jokes by Joan Rivers. Uh, Here's a good joke. The whole Michael Jackson thing was my fault. I told him to date only 28-year-olds. Who knew he would find 20 of them? (laughs) How about this one? Lindsay Lohan said she wouldn't mind being under oath because she thought Oath was a Norwegian ski instructor. And of course, later in her career, she was known to critique celebrities and their fashion sense and style on red carpets everywhere. She joked about Heidi Klum's 2013 Oscars dress by saying, the last time a German looked this hot was when they were pushing Jews into the ovens. Or, I love Rihanna. I thought she can do no wrong, but I have not seen lips that green since Miss Piggy got out of the backseat of Kermit's car. Joan was always irreverent. She made fun of herself often. 
as well as others. And she was a bit unfiltered. That's how she uh, rose. That was her claim to fame, was her unfiltered voice and her sharp critiques. Joan was always bold, and she was always funny. No female comedian today can trace their roots without finding Joan Rivers buried under their accomplishments. Okay, this is where the story turns a little bit. In July 2014, at the age of 81, Joan made one of her final comedic roasts. She was moving from a car to a building in New York City, and a lucky reporter was there with a camera rolling. The reporter asked, Joan, Joan, do you think the United States will see the first gay president or, or the first woman president? Joan replied, Well, we already have it with Obama, so let's just calm down. You know Michelle is a tranny. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, she's a what? A transgender. We all know it. Oh my gosh. Oh gosh, it's okay. He doesn't know. All right, all right. All right, forget about my bad impersonation. Let's just play it for you so you can hear for yourself. And do you think that the country will see the first, the United States will see the first gay president or the first woman president? Well, we already president? have it with Obama, so let's just calm down. Got it. You know Michelle is a trans. I'm sorry, she's a what? A transgender. We all know. Oh my gosh. Oh gosh. It's okay. I put the link to that video in the show notes. Uh, all appropriate links will be in the show notes for this podcast. Uh, the claim, remark, or sarcastic joke, it didn't get picked up by a wide media audience at the time. Most media comments portrayed her words as just another Joan Rivers classic mean barb. You can do your own internet research to find President Obama referring to his wife as Michael or strange videos of swing dancing Michelle Obama. This, this podcast isn't about diving into that. This is about Joan, and this is where the story gets even more bizarre. You see, Joan Rivers died within weeks of this bad joke or audacious claim about the president and first lady. Joan Rivers died while undergoing a medical procedure in New York. Let me be the first to say that it is not bizarre for an 81-year-old woman to pass away during a medical procedure. However, the incompetence and deviations in medical procedure paint a complex and confusing picture of Joan's final moments. Joan had been complaining about hoarseness in her voice. She also had a history of acid reflux. So she scheduled a minor procedure to investigate the problem. Joan scheduled a, okay, now I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to do this on the first try, so bear with me. Esophagaga gastroduodenoscopy. Esophagagastroduodenoscopy. Okay, okay. Let's just refer to it as EGD. She scheduled the EGD to take a closer look at the area between her throat 
and upper intestines. What is an EGD? This is a simple procedure that does require the patient to be sedated. A thin camera or endoscope is inserted through the mouth and throat, through the esophagus, and down into the stomach and part of the upper intestine. Air is pushed through the endoscope so that the lining of the stomach can clearly be seen. The total time of the procedure is between 5 and 20 minutes. For the EGD, Joan was sedated with propofol. Ooh, yes, that propofol. That's the drug Michael Jackson was hooked on and eventually died of. Yes, that's true, but propofol is commonly used for procedures exactly like this. So Joan was drugged with propofol and died during the EGD procedure. She's 81, so, you know, what's weird about that? Well, that procedure is considered minor. The risk of complications for this procedure is like one in a thousand, let alone death, which, which would be extremely rare. But again, no spidey senses going off because, after all, uh, Joan was 81, and any time you become sedated, there is a risk of complications and even death. All right, so let me rip this off like a Band-Aid. Another doctor showed up at the clinic at the last minute to perform another procedure on Joan that wasn't on the agenda. Like, what? Yes, the other doctor was Dr. Gwen Korovin, Joan's personal ear, nose, and throat doctor. Known to be a bit of a specialist to celebrity types that rely on their voice for work. The procedure she arrived to perform was a, okay, here we go again with this medical procedure. Nasolaryngoscopy. 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 We'll just call it a nasolaryngoscopy. I've actually had this done, and it is extremely mild and innocuous. Basically, a doctor takes a flexible spaghetti-thin scope and pushes it up your nose and back down into your throat to examine the throat and the voice box. This procedure does not require the patient to be knocked out, just a simple local anesthetic. So let me take a time out at this point and apply some common sense from a 50,000-foot view. This looks like some simple medical multitasking. Maybe Joan thought the problem had more to do with her voice box and not her acid reflux. She simply asked her ear, nose, and throat specialist to come in while she was out with another procedure to take a look. Time is valuable. It makes sense to me. However, this entire episode that led to Joan's demise went against medical protocol and procedures put in place to safeguard patients from the exact situation that ensued. And what did ensue was unauthorized medical personnel in the room performing unauthorized procedures, confusion on the timing of critical information, and the eventual death of Joan Rivers. So let's take a look at what happened. 9 a.m., 
was the scheduled start time of the EGD procedure. The team was ready for the EGD. This is when the director of the medical clinic escorted the ear, nose, and throat doctor into the procedure room. She was scrubbed and in a gown, ready to go. But this was the first time any of the procedure team saw or heard of any additional procedure. At 9.04, the medical staff went through their normal protocol called a timeout. This is where they verify that they have the right patient and procedure. Yet, the nasal laryngoscopy, or Dr. Korovin, wasn't mentioned. This is the time where the anesthesiologist administers the anesthesia, and the procedure begins. Now, a quick timeout of my own. This is where I should mention that the weight of Joan Rivers was not taken before the procedure. Weight is a key metric for the anesthesiologist in determining the proper amount of propofol for the procedure. So the stage is set for a calamitous event. All right, back to the timeline. At 9.04, the sedation was administered. That's when the new arrival, Dr. Korovin, states, I'll go first. But after going first, Dr. Korovin aborted the nasolaryngoscopy because she couldn't see what she was trying to view. Weird, but the scheduled technician proceeded with the scheduled EGD. During the EGD, Joan's vital signs fluctuated, with her blood oxygen levels dropping below safe, safe levels a couple of times. At 9.28, the EGD is over. Dr. Korovin goes in again to perform the nasal laryngoscopy. Nobody in the room objected to the second attempt at the procedure. And this is where the story goes sideways, gets a little fishy, and ultimately leads to Joan's death. Would you believe there are two separate accounts of what happens at 928? Would you believe the director of the medical clinic took time to take a picture of Joan Rivers as she was dying on the bed at this exact moment? Here are the two conflicting accounts of what took place after the EGD was finished at 928. Account number one states Korovin attempts the nasal laryngoscopy for the second time. Joan goes into cardiac arrest. CPR is administered. Korovin removes the scope at 930. CPR is administered again. Eight minutes later, epinephrine and atropine are administered. At 10 a.m., Joan was successfully recitated. Resuscitated, excuse me. Account number two. At 9.28 a.m., Joan goes into ventricular tachycardia. Tachycardia. That's a dangerous rapid heartbeat. Uh, for those of you that can't tell my awful pronunciation of tachycardia. Epinephrine and atropine were administered right away. 32 minutes later, Joan was successfully resuscitated. Now, 
This is where I should mention that Joan did not officially die that day at the medical clinic. She was transported to Mount Sinai Hospital, where she was on life support for a couple of days. The final autopsy, uh, that wasn't really an official autopsy, ruled that she died due to lack of oxygen to her brain during the throat procedure. No official autopsy was performed at the request of the family due to religious beliefs. But effectively, Joan was brain dead around 9.30 a.m. the day of the procedure. They basically just kept her, kept her body going, and then when they got to the hospital, uh, she was basically on life support even though she was brain dead. All right, now let's get back to the two wildly different accounts of the crucial final moments of Joan's life. In the second account, there is no detail about the life-saving procedures taken to revive Joan. Epinephrine and atropine were administered right away. Apparently, in the same minute, Dr. Coravin was performing the second nasal laryngoscopy. But no matter what account you take as valid, what the F was the director of the medical facility doing taking a photo of Joan in those final moments at 928? Seriously. Confirmation? Maybe a sick keepsake? The story doesn't get any better when you review the official report of that day by the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. What really happened at 928 may never be understood. The Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services report shows another anomaly surrounding this tragedy. To complicate matters even more, the anesthesiologist contradicts the matter of record on the dosage of propofol. First, let's not forget that Jones' weight was not taken prior to the procedure. Second, the records show Joan was given a dose of 300 milligram propofol during the procedures. 100 milligrams at 921, 100 milligrams a second later, 50 milligrams a few seconds later, and finally 50 milligrams immediately after that. However, the anesthesiologist claims there is a mistake in the log. He or she claims the total dose was only 120 milligrams. Yes, folks, that is less than half of the official record. He or she claims the mistake is a simple double click on the mouse with the 100 milligram dose and assures investigators the 50 milligram dose was really 20 and then another double click accident. So let's sum all this up. A doctor comes into the procedure room at the last minute to perform a procedure not on the schedule. They go first, but fail. The primary procedure is completed with alarming fluctuations in vital signs. The guest doctor tries the unscheduled procedure again. Joan goes into cardiac arrest during the second attempt. The facility director takes a picture of a dying Joan Rivers and the anesthesiologist swears the official record he or she recorded of the propofol dosage is wrong. All of this a few weeks after Joan says President Obama is gay and his wife is a tranny. 
Okay, got it. Rest in peace, Joan Rivers. And do you think that the country will see the first, the United States will see the first gay president or the first woman president? Well, we already president? have it with Obama, so let's just calm down. Got it. You know Michelle is a trans. I'm sorry, she's a what? A transgender. We all know. Oh my gosh. Oh gosh. It's okay. Let's be friends. We're all on this cosmic spaceship together. Subscribe and share the Conservative Hippie Podcast. Visit our sponsors, SmokeAndJays.com. Everything for your smoke and lifestyle. StonerHoroscopes.com. Adora Zen dishes cosmic vibes for the stoner at heart. KickFromTheSpot.com. Soccer is American.